We are in DNC section 109 and we are doing verses 20 through 53. And the, I wanted to start on verse 20 because it says, And no unclean thing shall be permitted to come into this house to pollute it. And the thing that I wanted to concentrate on that is we've talked about before we are the salt of the earth and a salt that is thenceforth good for nothing is tossed out in it. That is when the salt becomes contaminated. It can't do its job. And I talked about our stake president talking about um, the floodwaters and why you have to take down the drywall and down to the studs to get rid of because when the waters come down and saturate the ground, the sewage comes up with it and contaminates everything. And so it is not possible to have just a little contamination and still have it good. If there is contamination, God can't come. It's no longer sanctified and it's no longer his house. And so it is imperative that there is a temple recommend and that there are people in authority that we report to to make sure no unclean thing can come. The other thing is those covenants are very sacred covenants with heavy responsibilities. And so you don't want anyone to make those promises that is not capable of keeping them. And so it is a heavy responsibility that these men in authority, these bishops and stake presidents have to make sure that those who go are clean. And we have an obligation to make sure we are clean. And the thing that I loved right after this, right after it says, and so it's just not possible. It won't be the temple. It won't be God's house. He won't be there, his presence, if they allow. So they they, that is a heavy responsibility that they cannot push away. And, and um, it's different than church where we open our doors. The church is meant to be a hospital for all of us who are ailing. Don't judge me because I sin differently than you. All of us, are we not all beggars? Don't we all need God? We do. But the temple is a higher law. And so the temple, the doors can't be permitted to everyone. We have to make sure that they're capable because those are serious consequences if they're not. But also we have to make sure that God's presence can dwell there. And so I love that. But I love that it finishes or it comes right after that is, And when thy people transgress, they may speedily repent and return unto me. And I love that it says transgress. It's the same thing it says in Adam and Eve when they partook of the fruit. It is not called a sin. It's a transgression. And the awesome thing is, the thing that hit me is like Adam and Eve, we are but children. And so he calls it a transgression knowing we will transgress, but giving us the ability to speedily say sorry, repent and return. So it isn't that the temple is for perfect people. It's for people who have learned to speedily repent and return to him and seek his presence. And so I love those two together. Okay, 22. And we ask, Holy Father, that thy servants may go forth from thy house armed with thy power, that thy name may be upon them, that thy glory be round about them, and thine angels have charge over them. And this just pairs with that scripture, they that be with us are more than they that be with them in Elijah, where he prays that his servants' eyes will be open and the mountain will 
filled with chariots and and the army of the Lord. And I love that we go forth armed with his power and that we go forth with his name. And we've talked about that, what that means when we are called by his name, that we that we take that honor. What is your family known for? Well, we know what Christ is known for, all the good works he does. And if we are his, we are known by his name, by speedily repenting and coming to his house. And I just, that is so awesome. I so hope that people know what I believe um, by my works, that they glorify the Father and who I follow. And so I love that. Okay, 23. And from this place, they may bear exceeding great and glorious tidings and truth to the ends of the earth, that they may know this is thy work. And the thing I love about that is I remember in seminary saying to my students, who is the prophet, the prophet to? And they will often say to the church, he is the prophet to the world, whether the world acknowledges it, him or not. He is the world's prophet. He speaks for God to the world, whether they listen or not. So those those things that he says, those prophecies are for everyone. Those warnings are for everyone. Whether you believe in the law of um, staying um, pure before you get married or not, the consequences are the same. So whether you believe that and you sleep around or you sleep with someone and you have a child out of wedlock and you get married, that that the consequences, the guilt, the hardships that you carry trying to provide for a child without two of you, all of that is the same. Whether you're in the church or not, the reason it's there is to help us live our best life. God gives us warnings and commandments to help us be happy. Everything he does is for our good. So it doesn't matter that you were a member of the church and did that. Your consequences, it doesn't matter if you weren't a member of the church and did that. It's going to be harder. He gave us the best way. The difference is that we are so lucky to be members of the church and have it spelled out for us. We have the best way to live and be happy. Does it spare us from hard things? No. We came on an earth that was going to, we were going to be tried and tested. That's just the nature of this existence here. And he doesn't cause it. It's just going to, if we pair with God, refine us and make us better people. But I love that it the world will know it is his work. And that is awesome. Whether you acknowledge it's the true church, whether you believe that we have the truth, it is God's work and the world will know it. And so I love that. I love in 25 and 26, it says that no weapon formed against thee shall prosper. And then in 26, that no combination of wickedness shall have power to rise up and prevail. And I have written right there pornography. And the reason I have that is I do think um, I can remember just getting to a point and thinking, how are we ever? It's like a chess match I can see in my head. And Satan goes, 
he moves and then God comes back with, here's my move. And I can just see this and we need to have faith that none of that shocked God. He saw it and that there is a way to overcome. And I think it is really dark and discouraging and it is something that separates from the power of God and makes people feel so unworthy. And so what I love there is this knowledge that God will win. There is a way to overcome. So pair with him. Speedily repent. It is not the end. He knew this would be a tool that Satan would use. So what are we going to do about it to win? You're going to pair with God. You're going to use the tools that he has given. And we're going to win. We're going to fight this. And so I just love that because I do find that so insidious and horrible. But it gives me such faith. Okay. Um, I love in 28, and if they shall smite thy people, thou wilt smite them and will fight for thy people as thou did in the day of battle. And I love that again, that it says he will fight the battle, that it's him and that we just have to be with him and we will overcome. Okay, 33, break it off, Lord, break it off the necks of thy servants by thy power that we may rise up in the midst of this generation and do thy work. And that is this, um, deliver them from this yoke of all this persecution and what they're going for, going through. And I love that he says that we may do thy work. And that is just beautiful. Please help us, Heavenly Father, do thy work. And I do not feel like we have come close to anything what they have gone through. And so if God can give them the strength, he can give us the strength to do his work. And we just need to pray that it is to do his work. Okay, 38, put on thy servants the testimony of the covenant. Love that. The power of the covenants. Have a testimony of it. That when they go out and proclaim thy word, they may seal up the law and prepare the hearts of the saints for those judgments that thou art about to send. It's so important that we have a testimony of the power of God and the power of our covenants and the power of our baptism. Um, it. I just can't stress enough. I just talked to my girls and said, I know there is a trend right now of saying we don't need a prescribed religion. And I think COVID had a lot to do with that, that people feel what they're doing is enough. And it's really huge in this rising generation that they don't need organized that once they were at home without church, they found it was that they were fine. They could do it without it. Once temples were closed, they were fine. We don't need it. And it's scary how much that um, lie is being perpetuated. And even in my own home, and I don't want to talk a lot about it because it makes me cry. We've had some very heart-to-heart -heart serious discussions about that. And one of the things I said is I would never want to go through this without the power of the covenants and the power that God brings into my life. So yes, you may say it is enough. It's not. It's scary. We need the church. And yes, there are human people and there is weakness. But God only has human people to work with, but he enables us and he gives us a chance to repent. But we need his power. And I wish I could say from doing this, we gain this. That's not how it works. 
But I do know in my life, when I read the scriptures, when I say my prayers, when I go to church, when I do the temple, when I serve, when I fast, it brings power like nothing else into my life. And the happiest people I know living after the manner of happiness do those things. No one falls away from the church who is reading their scriptures and saying their prayers. It doesn't happen. We need that power in our life and we will need it more than ever at this time of such divisiveness and contention. Okay, 39. And whatsoever city thy servant shall enter and the people of that city receive their testimony, let peace and thy salvation be upon that city. And I just love that we are told that they will be blessed for letting them in. And I have heard stories of people going and um, I know when my sit, my son went to Pennsylvania and he served in a place which was kind of scary, Pittsburgh, there was, um, he didn't do Pittsburgh, Philly, and there was the ghetto. And um, he said it was amazing how they would protect the missionaries, these these people that were out there that were so scary that he, he heard a shootout, saw someone get shot, but they would protect the missionaries. They knew that they were on God's errand and they knew they'd be blessed if they did that. And they said as much, we know we will be blessed. You guys need to hurry and leave. Something's going down, hurry and go. They knew they would be blessed for protecting the missionaries. And so I love that it says that if people bring them in, Amulek, when Alma said to him, the angel said to Amulek, if you bring him into your house, he will be a great blessing. And he converted his whole house. And Amulek never acts like that was a lie. Even though he loses his wife, he loses his children, he sees them burned in front of his face. We are so blessed for those gospel covenants and we are so blessed for honoring and and sustaining and supporting our leaders and, and our missionaries and anyone who does God's work. So I love that. 43, oh Lord, we delight not in the destruction of our fellow men. Their souls are precious before thee. And it goes through all of these verses of, please bless them to listen. Please soften their hearts. And if they do bless them and, and if they repent, forgive them and have mercy on them. But it does say if they don't, we trust you. And, and we know that you will fight our battle. But I love that again and again. So 49, how long will thou suffer that we bear these afflictions? And the cries of the innocent come up to you. And then 50, have mercy, O Lord, on the wicked mob. I am so touched how many times Joseph Smith prays for these people that their hearts will be softened and that God will have mercy on them, even in the midst of all they are suffering. And what a lesson that is for all of us to really, truly pray for our enemies and to pray for those who despitefully use us and persecute us. And at this time of such divisiveness and contention, to really pray, to understand and and love and pray for people's hearts to be softened. I love that in the handbook, it tells us the prophet Joseph Smith said, God's wrath hangs over Jackson County. God's people have been ruthlessly driven from it. You will live to see the day when it will be visited with fire and sword and the Lord of hosts will sweep it from the basum basum of destruction. The fields and the farms and the houses will be destroyed and only chimneys will be left. And then he said during the civil war, these prophecies were more than fulfilled. 
as Missouri was a scene of widespread and terrible destruction. Um, and then it says this, but our foreknowledge of these matters does not make us agents in bringing them to pass. It is just forewarning what will happen because it is God's plan. Satan will marshal all of his forces to stop the kingdom, but he will not prevail. The truth of God will go forth nobly, boldly, and independent till it has penetrated every continent, visited every clime, swept every country, country, excuse me, and sounded in every ear till the purposes of God shall be accomplished and the great Jehovah shall say the work is done. I hope you know the church is true. And more than that, I hope you know the power we have and how much the Savior loves you.